several people have asked me what I think about Deontay Wilder saying that he's not interested in being WBC franchise champion. Well, I was going to make a video about it, but then I saw this video right here on Boxing Beats and Rhymes' channel, and he said everything that I was going to say in my video, and then some. So I would urge all of you to head over to Boxing Beats and Rhymes' uh, YouTube channel, watch this video right here, and he covers everything to do with the Deontay Wilder franchise champion situation. The only thing I would add is that although it seems like a noble act on Deontay Wilder's part and Boxing Beats and Rhymes goes into uh, exactly what's behind all that, but on top of that, I would add that Deontay almost has all the privileges of a WBC franchise champion right now anyway. Because a WBC franchise champion doesn't have to fight mandatories. Deontay really and truly is handpicking his mandatories. So that's pretty much the same as not having mandatories at all, if you can handpick who they are. The first mandatory he faced was Berman Stavern. Think about that. Stavern, who hadn't fought, he'd only fought once in something like, what, three years? Once since he lost to Wilder, and that was against the journeyman, Derek Rossi. Then he gets another mandatory shot, or gets a mandatory shot, excuse me. Well, what the hell was that? You're trying to tell me there wasn't more uh, deserving fighters to get a mandatory shot than Berman Stavern? Are you kidding me? Then he fights Dominic Brazil, a guy who was ranked below Dylan White. How on earth did Dominic Brazil get a mandatory shot before Dylan White? That's like Wilder handpicked the Brazil fight and they just slapped a mandatory status on it. And now it's happened again because Dylan White was willing to fight Tyson Fury for the WBC mandatory position. Tyson Fury turned it down. Dylan White accepted it. But yet now, WBC are saying that the Wilder-Fury rematch is a, a mandatory defense for Wilder. So they've made Fury, the guy who turned down the final eliminator against Dylan White, they're making it mandatory. <laughs> I mean, who the hell has Tyson Fury fought since the first Wilder fight to make him a viable mandatory? Who did he fight before the first Wilder fight even? It's some joke business. So essentially, Wilder is picking his own mandatories for all intents and purposes. So what extra benefits does he get from being franchise champion? They say a franchise champion can't lose his title in the ring. I mean, okay, that's that's one extra benefit. But other than that, he's he's getting a lot of <laughs> a lot of the benefits of being franchise champion anyway. We know he gets favorite uh you know the WBC show favoritism towards him in a massive way. So it is what it is. <laughs> uh, him saying he's not interested in franchise, being franchise champion. I mean, one of the other points Boxing Beats and Rams makes in this video is that he wasn't offered the franchise position. So how can you turn down what you haven't been offered? The word on the grapevine is that they're going to offer it to the winner of Wilder Fury 2. We'll see. Maybe Deontay Wilder will change his mind. I don't know. But let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. And please head on over to Boxing Beats and Rams' channel, especially to watch this video right here.
The title of it is Deontay Wilder Declines WBC Franchise, but how can you decline what you wasn't offered? Right, so yeah. Go watch that video, people. I'm out. The WBC appear to just keep on making it up as they go along. Dylan White offered to fight Tyson Fury in a final eliminator with a WBC diamond belt on the line. That's what he offered. The WBC accepted that offer and they said, okay, let's have Dylan White versus Tyson Fury as a final eliminator for the WBC. Uh, mandatory position. Tyson Fury ultimately turned down that final eliminator. Dylan White accepted it. He went on to fight um, Oscar Rivas. Fury went on to fight, uh, who's the guy? Otto Wallin. But the guy who turned down the final eliminator now gets made mandatory. The guy who accepted it, he has to wait until 2021. And this is not the first time, of course, because previously Dylan White was number one and still is number one WBC contender. And in fact, let me not say he still is. Maybe Fury has just leapfrogged him as the number one um, without beating anybody of note when Dylan White has been beating better fighters. Go figure. But a year or so ago, Dylan White was still number one WBC contender. Dominic Brazil was several places below him. But somehow Brazil was able to leapfrog Dylan White to the mandatory position and get a shot against Wilder. Like, what's that all about? <laughs> the WBC just make it up as they go along. What has Tyson Fury done to get made mandatory for the WBC? Who's he beat? What, Tom Schwartz and Otto Wallen? When Dylan White's been out here beating Joseph Parker and Oscar Rivas, this guy beat Schwartz and Wallin, and he waltzes right in as WBC mandatory challenger. Unbelievable. The WBC just make this stuff up as they go along, and it's essentially Deontay Wilder handpicking his own mandatories. That's what it is. That's not to say the Tyson Fury fight is not a tough fight for Wilder. It obviously is. But the way mandatories are supposed to work is you fight eliminators and you fight your way up to the number one position by taking on other top contenders. Dylan White has done that. Tyson Fury has not done that. But the WBC don't care about what's fair. They care about doing what Deontay Wilder wants them to do. Or his handlers, perhaps. The Al Heymans and Shelley Finkels. Oh, no, no, we don't want that mandatory right now. We, how about this guy as the mandatory? Oh, okay, Shelly. Okay, Al, we'll give you that guy instead as mandatory. Well, well, that, well, <laughs> that means it's not really a mandatory, is it? It's just a voluntary disguised as a mandatory. <laughs> so, yeah, joke business. And several people have pointed out. In fact, let me bring the, the link up a second. Hang on a second here, people. Yeah, here we go. So several people have pointed out the fact that WBC bantamweight champ Ray Vargas and flyweight mandatory Julio Cesar Martinez tested positive for trace elements of clenbuterol in Vada tests, but the WBC decided to take no action as they believe it was due to contaminated Mexican meat all over again, just like Canelo. You know, when Canelo had that contaminated meat issue, the WBC cleared him within about two or three days 
<laughs> Two or three days it took them to clear uh, Canelo Alvarez. You know, Dylan White isn't banned by anybody. He's not banned by the British Boxing Board of Control. He's not banned, you know, anywhere else in the world. He's free to fight. But yet the WBC say, nah, let's use this opportunity to make you wait till 2021 and give Tyson Fury your position. <laughs> oh, God. The WBC, we be crooks. Look, there are some things the WBC do that I like. I like the clean boxing program. I like the fact that they are willing to make uh, champions of other sanctioning bodies mandatory for their champions. I like that. There are several things I like that the WBC do. It's not all bad, trust me. But when it comes to certain fighters, the Canelos of the world, the uh, Deontay Wilders of the world, the bias, the favoritism, the making up of rules as they go along is just so outlandish. You know, I remember when they literally gifted Canelo his first title at light middleweight. They let him fight Matthew Hatton for the vacant belt as if there weren't any better uh, junior middleweights around at the time that could have fought Canelo for that vacant strap. Matthew Hatton. <laughs> Matthew Hatton had never fought a 154 before. He was a career welterweight and no disrespect to him, but not a particularly good one. He was never a world-level welterweight. And in his first ever fight at 154, as far as I'm aware, he gets an opportunity against Canelo for a vacant belt. Rather, Canelo got an opportunity against him, in truth, because he was just uh, an easy fight for Canelo to just walk in the door and take a WBC strap. So we be crooks, as James Tony called them back in the days. Very appropriate. <laughs> we be crooks. I also have to mention the fact that Luis Ortiz failed several PED tests in the past. He failed a PED test when he was supposed to fight Deontay Wilder. When was it? In late 2017? Their original date for the fight? Then he failed a PED test and they had the fight happen uh, in 2018 instead. You guys remember that? Where was the ban for Luis Ortiz? Where was the WBC banning him and saying, no, no, we're not going to sanction you fighting for us until whenever? No. Luis Ortiz popped for PEDs multiple times. Where's the big long ban by the WBC? Where's no, you can't fight for our title? Yeah, he wasn't mandatory either time that he fought Wilder, but still, you'd at least think they'd put some kind of ban or suspend him in the rankings or something until he's cleared his name. Did he clear his name, Luis Ortiz? No, he didn't. He claimed it was our oh, blood pressure meds. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Unbelievable. Anyway, let me know what you guys think in the comments. I'm out. So Deontay Wilder has had a few things to say about Tyson Fury over the past week or so, saying that Fury don't really want the rematch, uh, saying that Fury's family and his team have advised them against taking the rematch. They're scared for his health and safety. Tyson Fury has responded. He said, I'll see you in February, whatever it is, February 22nd or 27th, and that he's going to finish what he started. 
Do you, look, being confident is great. Okay? Tyson Fury is a confident guy. Deontay Wilder is very confident. But where you can come a cropper, where you can come unstuck, is when your confidence veers too far into the realms of delusion. And that is where Deontay Wilder is at this point. He is veering dangerously close to the realm of delusion. Because at this stage, Deontay Wilder's head is so far up his own backside that he's lost virtually all sense of reality. I mean, this guy thinks that he's up there with the greatest of all time based upon what he's achieved so far. Well, he's fought, he's, he's beaten one guy who is about 40 years old that had, you know, some degree of skill in 40-something fights. His title reign has been one of the weakest title reigns I've ever seen in the heavyweight division in terms of quality of opposition that he's actually defeated. And I'm just being real. You can't tell me that I'm lying because it's been a weak title reign. Just facts. But yet he's talking as if he's made it to the Hall of Fame already. I mean, he did an interview the other day where he was asked, who do you think the GOAT is, the greatest of all time? He said himself. Again, it's great to have confidence and believe in yourself, but when it crosses over into the realm of absolute delusion, like Deontay Wilder, I mean, this guy is totally deluded. I know Dylan White has been saying it for years, that Wilder's a very, very deluded guy, but it's getting worse and worse now with Deontay Wilder. Where is it going to end? I mean, him... And his trainer, JDs, are once again this week lying through their teeth about Luis Ortiz, about this old man who really and truly is on his last legs. And they're making out as though nobody in the heavyweight division wants to fight him when he was offered the Anthony Joshua fight for a career-high payday of $7 million earlier on this year. They're acting like that didn't happen. The barefaced lies just continue. Does Wilder even realize that he's lying or is he so deluded that it's just way over the top of his head? I think it's the latter. I just think he's just so delusional at this point. You know, saying, oh, I knocked Tyson Fury out. I won the fight. He's acting like he got robbed, blaming the referee, Jack Reese. <laughs> oh God, this guy and his fans, the majority of them, same thing unbelievable delusion from these people so yeah him saying that Tyson Fury's scared to fight and this that and the other is just another manifestation of this delusion yes Tyson Fury did turn down uh the opportunity to have the rematch earlier on this year there's no question about it is it because he was scared or is it because he wanted to milk his lineal status for a while I strongly suggest the latter. He just done this ESPN deal, got a hell of a load of money for it, fought a couple of uh, no-hopers, you know? <laughs> Some people would say Schwartz didn't turn out to be such a no-hoper, but still, Tyson Fury won the fight. They were easier level opponents. So he wanted to milk the lineal status for a while, and now he's looking for the Deontay Wilder rematch. Tyson Fury wasn't afraid of fighting Deontay Wilder, 
when he was just coming off the two and a half year layoff, three year layoff, whenever it was, or whatever it was, excuse me, when he just fought Sefer Safiri and Pianetta, and he was nowhere near 100%, he wasn't scared of facing Wilder then. Why would he be scared of facing Wilder now? What, because Wilder knocked him down? Fury's been knocked down before. That's not a new experience for him. He got knocked down by Steve Cunningham. And what did he do when he got knocked down by Steve Cunningham? When he was training for David Hay, he employed Steve Cunningham as a sparring partner. And he, Steve Cunningham was specifically told by Peter Fury, try to knock Tyson Fury down with the same punch that you are throwing, uh, that, that you knocked him down with in the fight. <laughs> right? Tyson Fury had been knocked down. It's not a massive life change. Oh my God, it's going to scare him to death because he got knocked down. The guy's tasted the canvas before, got off the canvas and won. So yeah, Deontay Wilder believes his own hype. The hype created by himself, the hype created by his team, whispering in his ear, gassing his head up, the hype created by his fans. He believes his own hype. And in boxing, that usually ends in disaster. The good thing for Deontay, if you consider it a good thing, is that he's so well protected by his team to a large degree. They, they, they cherry pick his fight so carefully that he might be able to avoid a rude awakening, a reality check. He might be able to avoid that because his team is so careful about the fights they pick. Tyson Fury, of course, is one of the riskier fights they've picked. The first time around they fought they were going to get a guy who was washed up, a guy who, you know, been off for a long time, lost a lot of weight, was going to be a shell of himself. And it nearly backfired on him in a big way. <laughs> Going into uh, the fight this time, it's kind of redemption for Deontay Wilder because there were so many people, including people in his own country, who felt like he actually lost the fight and was lucky to get a draw. In a way, it's redemption. It's a way of him getting back in there and saying, okay, I am better than Tyson Fury. Watch what I do with him this time. And that appears to be the uh, the goal of his team by putting him in there against Fury again. It's just to redeem what happened the first time around. So we'll see. But uh, yeah, Tyson Fury responds, claps back at Wilder. Uh, hopefully the rematch takes place. I mean, Wilder's got to get past Ortiz. It's heavyweight boxing. Anything can happen. But Ortiz is so old. He's never really beaten anybody anyway. I went back and watched the first fight a couple times recently. And yeah, at the time, people were saying that Wilder was getting outboxed in there. I don't know about that. He, he got outboxed maybe in a couple rounds, but they were tight rounds. It's not like Wilder was getting beaten up. I just feel like Luis Ortiz is going to hit the deck in this fight a lot earlier. And I don't think it's going to be as competitive. I hope I'm wrong because at the end of the day, boxing is entertainment and I want to be entertained. So if it turns out to be a more entertaining fight than I'm expecting, that's a win. That's a bonus for me. But, you know, I'll be surprised. I've expected Wilder to deal with this old man who's never beaten anybody of any note other than Bryant Jennings four or five years ago. I'm expecting him to deal with the old man the way you should deal with an old man. Take him out in good fashion. So let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. It's happening. I'm out.
Right. Right, what we're going to do is we're going to go through these. Where are you going? Let me ask you one question yeah. first of all before you introduce him, yeah. right? Which one has the most potential? <laughs> Go on. I'm going to talk you for all of them. Go on. Right? Because I think both of them, four of them, so far, so 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 far, have had very different journeys. Let's start with Rashad Matty. Right? He debuted on our very, very first show in Chicago last year. Looked fantastic. Racked up a couple of quick wins, looked really good. All of a sudden, does his shoulder. Out for eight months, eight months nine months? Eight months. So he's playing a little bit of catch up. Just boxed again in Chicago, again on the USIC card. Now boxing tonight, looks like he's boxing December 20th as well. Massive MMA history as well. One of the greatest young MMA talents you've ever seen. When you look at his resume, he has won everything. Wrestling? Yeah, wrestling. Tell him, champ. Boxing, kickboxing, MMA, Muay Thai, Jiu-Jitsu, wrestling, just all of it, man. Reshat Matty is the Albear, Albanian bear <laughs> and the ultimate fucking fighting machine. Let me tell you, Love he's going to be a future world champion. Love it. And I wouldn't be surprised if he crossed over to UFC as well. I want and McGregor. smash him up over there. I want McGregor, McGregor, if you're watching, we, yeah? we've got the Albanian bear, he's ready for you. Right. Now we go over to the giant, Diego Pacheco. This guy, I think, you know, right now. Stand next Come on, look at the size of him. There we go. Bring him in there. Bring him in. Go, go, go. He's 18 years old. He's already, we had to box him first of all in Tijuana because he weren't even old enough to get a license in most American states. But you're weighing in at what? 160 what tomorrow? 168. I mean, this is a Callum Smith Mexican double over here. Exactly the same size. Brilliant, brilliant young fighter. Brilliant mindset, great, great mind for the sport. Works very, very hard. And by the way, already developing a really strong following in Los Angeles. He's from Los Angeles. Obviously, we are marketing him as Mexican, because that's what we like to do, but he is. And you and all have been, don't worry about that. But this guy, I believe, will be a future world champion, multi-division world champion. Great, great young fighter. Okay. Over here, one of the most exciting punchers I've ever seen. Limited amateur experience, but was knocking everybody out and started to become one of the top, top amateurs after how many amateur fights? 25. 25 amateur fights going internationally around the world and knocking people out for Team USA. Alexis Espino, trained by Robert Garcia. Brilliant, brilliant young talent. You're weighing in at 160 what? 163. 163. He's a middleweight. He's a super middleweight. He's going to be a light middleweight at 154. You will get there. And you're going to make 140. What? Yes, you are. Oh, what Yes, you are. Yes, you are. So this is a talent. Alexis Espino, watch it. See some of his knockouts so far. Was brilliant in Mexico last time out. Boxed as well on the Canelo Jacobs card in a really good fight. It's one of the best performances I've seen from you. And this man here, white chocolate, Nikita Rababi, who I said looks like a cross between Logan Paul and the geezer out of Karate Kid. But he's mad. He's a born fighter. You see him spar rounds and rounds, hundreds of rounds with Danny Jacobs. This guy is an exceptional talent. He's already boxed in the UK. He's boxed in Dallas. He's boxed at Madison Square Garden. Now he's boxing at Staples Center. Shout out to Scooter and Sosa Crew as well for doing a great job. In shape, going to be really, really dangerous. This is the future. And these guys are so exciting to work with. As I always say to them, you have got the opportunity of a lifetime. It's all there for you. All you've got to do is work hard and achieve and be as good as you can be. You've got the path to success. You've got as many shows as you want. You're going to have the route to titles. You're going to have a bucket load of money. All you've got to do is keep winning. Okay, so going back to my original question. Yeah. <laughs> if you had to keep one. <laughs> we're a team, Coogan. All right, fair we're enough. We're a team, all and right. they're all great. This is what we're going to do, The, right? truth, is, the yeah. truth is, we won't know 
who is the number one. And by the way, there's additional there's additions to these. Ray Ford, Ofer Jones, um, Ammo Williams, like all these guys. And don't say that I took Ammo Williams on a private jet. Did you jet see you took Ammo Williams on a private jet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You saw that? All saw that? It wasn't my private jet. I just want to say that. Yeah, exactly. But what I will say is, is at the moment, they're going through the graduation process. They're learning. We won't know for another 12 to 18 months really who's going to go on and become a world champion, multi-weight world champion, multi-division world champion. But what I will tell you is they'll all get the opportunity to do so. Right, this is what we're going to do. The last thing we're going to do, right? You've got the opportunity to ask Eddie Hearn one question. It could be anything you want about your future, about anything, about a potential fight. So let's go. Let's start with you. Go on. What you got? Come on. Come on. Um, I don't know, man. You know, honestly, Matchroom is very close to the people. Like, they let me know everything. There's not, there's not much that I could really ask him. Yeah, you know, he's like, already asked me. Because we don't have any secrets. Oh, really? So, is that the way it works? Good answer. Do you want to ask him anything? Is there going to be a, like a big prize for whoever becomes world champion from all of us? Yeah, it's called yeah. multi, multi millions of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 besides that. What more do you want? You've got belts, you've got millions of dollars. What do you want, a car? Do you want a watch? Want? If you become a watch? A watch. We're going to buy you a nice, the first one of you oh, right, to win a world championship. Do, yeah? you like, do you like diamond encrusted jewellery? It's not everyone's cup of tea, is it? Oh, yeah? Right. yeah? Yeah? Okay. I've got, we've got a great jeweller uh, in the UK right now, and he's going to make you a beautiful diamond encrusted Audemars Piquet for the world championship. The first victory. one to win a world yeah. title? Yeah. And it's already in right, mate. Can we just video say video. which world titles are... Count yeah, on this as well. only, only the ring magazine counts. Oh. No, no, no. <laughs> Any one of the four world championship belts, it's on. WBA regular? No. Okay. Franchise champion? Yeah. Okay, that counts. Yeah. Do you want to ask him anything? Remember the question they asked him at the, uh, the public workout? Go on, ask him again. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, Yeah, right? go, 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 go. About the... What? About I'm that, worried now. That, that Gucci shirt? Oh, yeah. What? Ask about that, is it? He wants a Gucci shirt. No, he no, wants no, no. a real Gucci shirt, not the one you had on the other day, <laughs> oh, a real one. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. He's getting a, yeah. Oh, what a shame your opponent's pulled out for Saturday. You're on the card. I can't believe it. He's got the text. Oh. Reshat, go on. All right. You got uh, anything for Eddie? All right, I'm trying to find UK, man. Yeah, no, yeah, you're I, I, yeah. I got I'll, I'll just say one thing. Yeah, 100%. You three will box in it. So you've boxed in the UK. Ray Ford's boxed in the UK. Yeah. Uh, Ammo Williams has boxed in the UK. And Ofer's boxed in the UK. Yeah. You three are the only three that haven't boxed in the UK. One million percent. Even by halfway through next year, you will have all boxed in the yeah, UK. Exactly. I got the Albanians over there. I might know. Well, we've got um, Florian Marku. I've seen his Albanian fans. Yeah. They'll all be coming for you as well. Big, big time yeah. Florian in England. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Right, so the benefit of this video is one of you has got a watch when you win a world title. Yes. That's thanks to me. So yeah. Yeah. no worries. It's all good. Thank oh, you very much. Change that. Yeah. Anyone that wins a world title gets one. Ooh. At least four. Okay. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Better. But by the way, we'd just like to say one. When you're winning world titles, you're going to be making multi-million dollars. But versus. come for the watch. You should be remember. fucking buying me one. <laughs> <laughs> you know? You're going to be out too much, man. Yeah, all right. Okay. You do. Thank you very all right, much. Cheers. Thank you. Well done, boys. This is Andy Perot for Boxing Social in association with Betfred and I'm dubbed John by Joe Markowski of The Zone. Joe, how are you doing? I'm good mate, how are you? 
very good, thank you. Obviously, more, it's always good to hear that somebody's doing well. I'm interviewing. Obviously, here in sunny LA, in where we're inside, ahead of what has been a controversial fight, to say the least, in and amongst the boxing crowd, KSI versus Logan Paul too. A little pull of a face there. What, what was your initial reaction to it when Eddie brought the fight to you? We were really supportive. Um, we talked about it for the first time about a year ago, once it became clear that the first event um, in Manchester last year had, had done so successfully. Listen, I think boxing needs to start framing its, the view of itself um, through a different pair of goggles, right? This is going to bring in a whole new crowd of, of boxing fans or potential boxing fans. Um, the stitching together of these two worlds, the sort of world championship purist boxing, Billy Joe Saunders, Devin Haney, uh, with this new YouTube generation is going to be really interesting. And I think it's one of a load of tactics we're going to employ in the next few years to try and grow the sport of boxing. That's good for the sport of boxing. Candidly, it's good for our business as well. Um, so I think it's the first thing you'll see us do that will engage um, a, new, a new audience in boxing here in the US and in the UK. Now, I'm sure the numbers for Saturday night will be very, very good. But how are you, how are you so sure that whoever tunes in to watch the fight will stay involved with the sport, will want to keep an eye on all the fighters away from the social media stars? That's the responsibility of everyone involved in this fight. Ourselves, from a design perspective, retaining the subscriptions of the, of the new subscribers that we bring in beyond this month. So introducing them consistently in the next three or four weeks to the AJ Ruiz narrative to what we do in January, what we do in February, introducing them to Devon Haney and Billy Joe Saunders this weekend, engaging them in those narratives. It's the responsibility of Eddie to, to go after these guys, to work with Logan and KSI in the future, to bring them into promotional um, activity around other major events, but make them ambassadors for the sport of boxing. What I would say, and I'm most impressed by with, with both Logan and with JJ, is their willingness to take this properly seriously. They've trained like proper professional boxers. No head guards, 10-ounce gloves, proper training camps, proper trainers. Um, and look, they, they're both saying they want to win and then go on to have more fights. This is JJ's third fight, his first pro fight. It's Logan's second fight. He's already talked about wanting to fight in the UFC and in MMA. Um, he's talking about wanting to fight again in boxing. So collectively, we have a responsibility to sort of almost deliver a legacy to the sport of boxing from this event. And look, probably, to be candid, convince some of the hardcores who don't love this event on paper of its merit and its worth um, and why we think it's such a, a good thing for the sport of boxing long term. You've just mentioned the hardcores there. Do you understand why those, those fans haven't taken such a keen supporting stance of this fight? I understand some of them not supporting it, not wanting to watch it, absolutely. What I don't understand is people publicly slating it and slating Eddie and occasionally slating me for, for making the fight. If you don't like it, don't watch it. That's fine. It, 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 its core purpose, the main event this weekend, its core purpose is to engage new fans. We do a load of, load of, a load of fights every year that engage... Here we go. It's, it's, it's the hardcores, I blame him. I blame this man. But, look, the, the, my, my point is, if you don't love it, don't watch it. Understood? It, being honest, it's not primarily served to, to deliver to hardcore boxing fans. Watch AJ Ruiz, watch Canelo, watch Triple G, watch the dozens and dozens of fights that Eddie and we put on every year that serve the hardcore audience. Acknowledge and understand that it's good for the sport, it's good for your fandom, it's good for the health of the boxers and the health of the, um, the sport more generally uh, to embrace things like this. And I think that's my message to hardcore fans. It's, you don't support it, we understand, but please try and appreciate that the reason the sport needs to embrace these types of things. Do you think 
this is kind of, it's not the beginning, but it will be the beginning of sorts to see more fights like this, to see more social media stars or other people from other walks of life getting involved, getting into the boxing ring, which will in itself cause controversy, but I'm sure bringing a new audience as well. We'll look at it. Well, obviously, we're a data-driven business. We'll look at the data and the numbers from this weekend once they settle next week, and we'll start thinking about that. What I think you'll definitely see us do is, is try things that are going to grow the sport. This is one tactic in a, in a broader strategy, right? We want to grow the number of people talking about boxing, engaging in boxing. Isn't it fantastic that this beef between these two YouTubers that could have been settled in a paintball arena or in a MMA ring or a cage, it's been, they've chosen to settle it in the boxing ring. That's good for boxing. Let's, let's embrace it and enjoy it and use it to grow the sport. Now you mentioned numbers, I know Eddie's big on numbers himself. What has been, well I say initial, but what, how, how well have the sales done, the PPV etc, how well has everything gone up until this point? From our perspective, I can't, I can't speak to Sky, I don't, I don't, Adam Smith hasn't shown me those numbers for obvious reasons. Our numbers are really strong. We put out three or four videos with each of the guys on YouTube to promote the fight, our 40 days content. All of those videos trending on YouTube globally uh, and in the US, which is obviously really important for us. Um, the, the early subscription numbers are, are tracking to be very, very big. Obviously, Saturday is the, the key day for us in, in driving new subscribers. Adam's saying that it's similar um, for Sky, and I'm hearing that it's similar for Fight TV in the international markets as well. So, all numbers considered, um, I think we're looking at a major event this weekend, and I think all the numbers and the data that Eddie's seeing is similar. Now, whoever would have picked this fight up, I'm sure everyone will admit it was, it was always going to do big numbers because of who they are. Was there ever any, has there been any pressure on Eddie to deliver a huge show as of yet? What's been the zone's initial sense of happiness, shall we say, with Eddie and the shows he's delivered as of yet? Well, I would say Eddie in the broader matching business, we, we've worked with for a long time. We know their business very, very well and they've always been fantastic partners. Eddie has delivered consistently with that in the last 12 months here in the US. Um, first of all, he's signed some of the biggest names in boxing. He's made some of the biggest fights. He's made them happen in the US, which is very important for us. AJ Ruiz, fantastic night for us. Uh, Devin Haney, that signing, huge. And that's legacy building. That's that's five, ten years of, 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 um, of big fights, world championship level fights with one of the hottest prospects in boxing. Bringing his big names over to the US. I know not all the UK fans love that, but that's important for us in, in, in growing our business and growing those guys' brands in such a lucrative market here. So we've got no complaints with how Eddie has you know, behaved as a partner, what he's delivered for us. Um, Frank and Eddie and the whole Matchroom team um, have done a great job for the zone the last 12 months. Now one thing before I do let you shoot off, I just wanted to get your opinion on it. It happened a couple of weeks ago, there was an array of tweets which were all similar saying how good the zone subscription was in comparison to the competitors. I know you know what I'm on about now. What was that about? Because a lot of people kind of suggesting it was driven by people working for the zone. What, what do you know anything about it? What's your Umar asked me the same question in Vegas last week? I know um, it's been popping up on social. Candidly, nothing to do with us. I think Raging Babe, um, who's a she's a I get this right because I got this wrong last week. She's not a blogger. She's a boxing person of some description. Um, she's a big DAZN fan. She tweeted um, saying how much she appreciated the DAZN service, how good value she thought it was. She actually got the price slightly wrong. Um, the annual pass, she said it was 120, it's actually $99.99. For some reason, and I don't know why, that same tweet was copied and pasted across 50 or 60 boxing accounts. Some fighters, some uh, PBC related bloggers, some matchroom related bloggers and sort of fans. Um, it sort of just sprung organically on, on Twitter. So, um, yeah, I saw it and I was like, 
asking our social team, is, is this something that we, we've done? And it, it isn't. Um, so I think it's just something that sort of a snowball effect just happened. I think maybe some people might have thought, if I post this, I'm on some sort of affiliate link, I'm going to get paid by the zone, which wasn't the case. So that's all I can say about that. Well, Joe Markowski, I appreciate your time and for clearing a lot of things up. Thanks for speaking to myself appreciate and Boxing Social. Thanks very much. Thanks, guys. This is Andy Peroff, Boxing Social Association with Betfred, and I'm delighted to be joined by Matt Macklin here at the Undercard Press Conference for Saturday night's main event between KSI and Logan Paul. But first, Matt, how are you doing? Yeah, good, good, not bad. Looking forward to the fight Saturday now. Well, that is it, and we'll try and get into it. One thing which I did want to ask you, which I hadn't had a chance to ask you on Tuesday, was it, when I last saw you? Um, I think it was the public workout. We've, when I've like, looked over social media now, there seems to have been a bit more of like a, a change in the perspective over the case on Logan Paul fight. Have you seen any kind of... And more of an openness from the boxing public at all towards this fight. What's been your perception of it when you've seen stuff? No, I think I think a lot of people. I don't know what the right word is. Feel uh, annoyed or maybe even offended a little bit that two YouTube guys that have never boxed professionally are topping a card where you've got super talents on it like Billy Joe Saunders, reigning world champion, and and, and also uh, young Devin Haney. Um, which I understand, but at the same time, this card probably wouldn't be happening, certainly not at the Staples Centre and uh, all the rest of it, without, without these two headlining it. Uh, it is what it is. We all know it's not, they're not, these aren't real fighters. Even though they've licensed professional boxers, they are making their pro debut. It's, it's not really about that for them. I don't think either of them, whatever they may say, are realistically thinking of going on a professional boxing career after this fight. I just think it's a, and you know, it's um, the next. It's like an encore of the white collar fight they had, really. Uh, but they want to do it with you know ten ounce gloves over six rounds, you know, as a professional boxing contest. Um, it is what it is. We we know what it is. I, I think it, I think it's a good boxing card. You know, Billy Joe Saunders. Big fights on the horizon for him. I think there's a lot of talk that he could probably get the Canelo fight, Cinco de Mayo next year. Obviously has to win. Would really uh, strengthen his chances of getting that fight if he was to look really good. Um, Devin Haney has been elevated to, you know, from the final, he won that final eliminator. He's been, uh, you know, nominated as, he's the WBC champion now that, and uh, Lomachenko has been elevated to franchise champion which you know you know what I think I, I think about that but you know that's another conversation isn't it but you know nonetheless Devin Haney's a real real talent 20 years old unbelievable talent probably going to be a future superstar in the sport uh, so you know I'm just looking forward to those fights I'm looking forward to watching Devin Haney I'm looking forward to watching Billy Joe and some of the really good prospects that are on the card Esp Espino uh, uh, Abibi, there's you know there's some good good fighters on this card which I'm looking forward to and the YouTube fight I'll, I'll watch it with a bit of intrigue for what it is you know it's it's a white collar fight on the professional boxing rules that's it you know we could dress it up but it for, you know in their in their world it's it's an event these two guys have got big following of that'll be back and forth I, I'm really talking about something that I know nothing about here when I'm talking about those two because I don't know the YouTube world but you know we've got to know them a little bit this week hearing them talk. And, 
you know, my experience in white collar fights is they're usually really entertaining because usually both guys aren't good enough to box each other. So they end up slugging it out and it's usually a bit of a, a battle. And also they don't have the gas in the tank to, 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 to go about it properly or the experience to pace themselves. So they usually end up pretty shattered after a couple of rounds. And when you're shattered and you don't know how to box, it's going to be a slugfest. So they're usually pretty entertaining. So from that point of view, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Just away from his car, there's obviously been a few things that just happened over the past few days. I want to start it off with the fight last night, the World Boxing Super Series final between Noi Inoue and Anita Donier. Noi Inoue becoming the Unified World Champion victorious in that fight. Was your thoughts on it? Did you manage to catch it? No, I didn't manage to catch it, but I've, I've heard all the reports online that it was a, a ding-dong fight, great fight. Um, you know, Donier at his age, what a credit to him, because in a way, He's a little animal, he's, he's one of the best pound-for-pound pound fighters in the world. But back in the day, Daenerys was one of the best pound-for-pound pound fighters in the world. Um, and he turned the clock back, obviously, or he didn't get the win. But to go in there and put on a performance where, again, I'm reading it, I didn't see it, but to put on that performance whatever, by all accounts, then uh, he obviously turned the clocks back and, uh, and, and put on a great performance. And, and credit to them, you know, two, two great, great fighters. I just wanted to move away from that one as well. And, well, today the WBC have announced a new standard of clenbuterol testing, which basically means a high threshold will be allowed as a new standard of testing positive for the drug following Ray Vargas and Julio Cesar Martinez failing their drugs test. But over these past couple of days, all that going on, what's your thoughts on the situation? You know, I don't know enough about clenbuterol levels, you know, so I can't comment really. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, what are your thoughts on the WBC's decision to increase the threshold that you're allowed to have in your system then? No, well, there may be, again, I don't know, so I don't know enough about it, but maybe there's a case of you can you can pick up some, you know, certain levels without taking, you know, performance enhancers. You know, without trying to cheat, you may well be able to pick up certain levels just by eating certain foods or whatever. I don't know what I'm talking about, really, when it comes to it. All I know is that... It, it, it needs to be clarified and it needs to be uh, it needs the research the, the correct research needs to be done you know you don't want what well, you don't want something you don't want a situation happening where a loophole is being created you know for people that are using certain substances as masking agents to maybe hide you know other things showing up in, in uh, random drug tests so yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know enough about it but you'd like to think there's no foul play and that it's, it's just something that they've looked at they've researched They've been and they're, they're acting under the guidance of the, the people that really know what they're talking about. Well, Matt McLean, I do appreciate your time as always. I think the main press conference is about to start. So, if I can speak to myself and Boxing Cheers. Social. Cheers, nice one.